Hey everybody, Connor Onion here, the first of two Connors you'll hear on this podcast. Connor James is coming right up. First, a reminder, this episode and all episodes are brought to you by McAllister's Deli in Carbondale, located on East Bain Street. Soups, salads, spuds, great sweet tea, and of course, much, much more over there at McAllister's Deli. All right, now our guest. From 2007 to 2011, he was a Saluki football player, a captain as a senior, part of two playoff teams, and he's remained a member of the community ever since coming to Carbondale in 2007, and now is back in the athletic department as an academic and career development coordinator. Many know adult Connor James well, but how about we start all the way back at the beginning? Well, some some folks may have seen, There's there have been some videos released of me in a uh, Christmas play, uh, kindergarten age. I was uh, full energy, um, tapping the microphone. We, we, we did some jingle bells and I, yeah, I, I think that's just kind of the way that I, I lived my life at that time. I, I had a little mullet um, and I was a hundred miles an hour all the time. And I watched that. It's like, it's probably 15 to 20 minutes and it's nonstop me uh, distracting other people in the play, um, not singing my own song, got my own dance going on. Um, so as a, as a young kid, I was full of energy and I do believe, uh, that once they found sports that, uh, helped with that, which was football. Baseball was not good because you had to stand still in the outfield, and uh, I would get distracted and usually pick dandelions. But uh, I, I had a lot of energy as a, as a kid growing up, and uh, sport was definitely an outlet that helped channel that in a positive direction. So your family figured out pretty quickly that uh, you were not going to Broadway. Uh, I didn't make Glee Club either, so no. <laughs> oh, you got cut. No, I didn't. I didn't even get a shot. I mean, I think, <laughs> yeah, there, there wasn't. Uh, that was first grade. Where it was open tryouts. I think everybody got to try out, and uh, didn't make that one, and that was okay. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I had seen. I had seen that video of of you going nuts on the mic and uh, doing your own thing. I think your your wife Megan had posted that, but uh, mm-hmm. that's that's pretty incredible. You got cut. So you said that kind of led you to football. Um, when did you first get started playing the sport? So that wasn't until fifth grade. So basketball, I played some basketball, played some baseball. Um, I will say in third grade, there were some like inner school competitions um, where they did a crab walk championship. They did a sprint championship and, um, they they would have us practice and stuff. So there there was some stuff at, at lower elementary level that that we were still able to do. But football was fifth grade. Father's Day was last week, and you you shared some touching words about your father who mm-hmm. you lost when you were thirteen years old. If if you don't mind, take me back just to that day that that you lost your dad and what happened on on that day yeah yeah i had some friends stay the night you know we had just enjoyed the the holidays together christmas and um my dad traveled a lot for work and so it's always great around that time of year to have him home and i actually had basketball practice 
it was uh, December 28th and morning basketball practice. My dad, dad took me and a couple friends that had actually stayed the night, dropped us off. And uh, I was in the front seat and, you know, he had his coffee cup. It was, it was uh, sun was rising, cool, really cold uh, December morning, obviously. And he dropped me off and uh, that was the last time I saw him. Uh, hours later, he had a heart attack helping. He's just the kind of guy he was. He was helping uh, a family friend move furniture and 46 years old, had a massive heart attack and, and that was it. You know, he passed away right then and there. Health, health was not terrible. You know, I'd been told maybe you had some high cholesterol, but, uh, you know, I, I think, yeah, that day was, was hard. Um, I can't imagine it, uh, for my mom, um, to have to tell your three boys that, you know, their hero's gone. Um, that's why I disrespect her so much. And, and then, at the time, we were 16, 13, and 11. And uh, for her to, to raise us and uh, to, to, to come finish raising us and releasing us to college and adulthood uh, was incredible. But that day specifically, Connor, yeah, I think um, knew something was up. Somebody else had to pick me up from basketball practice and took me to a family friend's house. And then just more people at the house. and. You know, it's kind of like, well, this is odd. And um, and then, actually, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> now you can go back to the memory. I, I I was actually, I somebody had taken me back home. And then that's, yeah, okay. So, so um, it's coming back to me, one piece of it here. Um, I was at home after practice. Somebody else had picked me up. But then the, the gentleman that my dad was helping actually came to our house, knocked on our door, was very frantic. And so we were left at the home without my mom or dad there. This was my younger brother and one other friend. And then quickly after that, some family friends picked us up. And then uh, returning back to the home, uh, there was tons of people there. And so ever since he had came by, I knew something was up but didn't know what. And uh, the thing that we look back on on the, the day specifically is that my younger brother and I experienced it extremely differently than my older brother. Um, my older brother was 16 and he actually went to the hospital uh, and saw my dad and, and Cameron and I did not. So um, it's a day that uh, changed everything for us. But uh, looking back on it, um, it's it's hard to say, but I do think that it's, it's been a, uh, something that has, has led to a lot of, of good things and um, developed us into the people that we are. So, Yeah, there's, I'm sure there's no map for how to grieve when you're 13 years old and, and you lose your dad. Um, I mean, what were those next couple of months like as far as grieving your loss? Hmm. I was, I was slow, very slow to, to, to grieve, I think. Um, you know, I, I was probably more in the likes of somebody that it came in waves. When it came, it came hard. Um, but I was very much probably like you would experience me if you knew me today. 
um, just a, a very positive, um, you know, we're going to be all right. We're going to get through this. Um, even when my mom told me that day, it didn't hit me when she told me, I, I still remember uh, her having to sit us down and tell us. And I, I didn't get emotional or anything. I think I was just kind of in shock. Um, I might've even, I, I don't know if I was smiling, but I definitely wasn't crying. Um, and I think that over the course of the next few months, Connor, there's a story. Uh, th this is, this is what is, is special about sport, but also I, I remember going back to practice. So I, it was around the holidays, but I was on the basketball team and I'll never forget walking through the double doors into the, the, uh, the main gym at Mattoon Middle School. And, um, all the team was around, there's probably six baskets in there. They're shooting free throws. And as the doors open and my mom kind of like, she didn't want to be the overly protective mom, but basically walked me to the door and then opened the door, kind of released me to practice. Um, all these guys are shooting free throws. And then I just see them all stop, turn, stare at me. And you know that sound when nobody's touching a basketball, but it had been bouncing. The, the, the bounce just gets faster and faster. Every ball in the gym, just like until it was rolling on the floor. And it was just a moment of like, all right, guys, this is awkward. I need you guys. <laughs> and they came over and kind of embraced me. And, um, you know, a lot of them didn't know what to say, but I think within 90 seconds, um, I was shooting free throws and, and then it was back to practice there. So, you know, things like that. I remember in the, in the early months there. Um, but yeah. You know, you, you mentioned sport. Um, so I, I did want to ask, you know, when, when somebody experiences loss that plays a sport, I feel like, you know, one of two things either happens, either that loss kind of inspires what happens next or that's their escape for what happens next. Where do you kind of fall on that spectrum? Was was sport an escape or was it more of a, I want to play in honor of my dad and do well by his name? Yeah. Definitely, a, definitely the honor piece. I think um, that was always a motivation anyway. He, he just loved watching me play and, and no matter if it was baseball even though I probably wasn't, I, I wasn't uh, the baseball player that he was. That was his sport. Um, he got to watch me play football for two years and and um, loved watching me play football. So, yeah, I wouldn't call it an escape because there there were moments where I, I definitely thought about him um, during sport. Um, but yeah, he it, it was a it was a chance to. I think I at that time would have viewed it as, you know, honoring him or playing for him. I'm representing him. When did uh, you kind of accept your new life as your new normal? Like when did things kind of slow down for you as far as the initial shock of your dad not being there anymore? What comes to mind is uh, when there's those key moments that, he would have been there that he's not, um, you know, so 
at our middle school in eighth grade, you have your parents walk you out on the, that night where you get recognized on parents night. And it was just my mom, you know, I still remember that. Um, you know, th those type moments, uh, moments, you know, awards night, uh, same thing, eighth grade. And then, uh, you know, playing, then, then you get to high school and you start playing the football and, you, and you're playing at a high level. Um, you know, the moment when you get told you're going to play varsity as a, as a, you're going to start varsity as a sophomore. Um, and then again, you know, just even within that, that four to five year time frame, senior night uh, in high school, you know, those are, those are the moments that uh, you, you start to, oh yeah, this, this really is, this, this really is uh, forever type thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you mentioned playing football at a high level. I mean, uh, you go on to Mattoon High School, have a Hall of Fame career there, class of 2018 into the Hall of Fame. Take me back to your recruitment when you're in high school. What was your first interaction with Saluki football? When did they start coming after you? Recruiting is, is at that time, it was a job. It was a summer job. Um, I couldn't have done it. I had a teammate, uh, Derek Bath. He played at the University of Pennsylvania. He ended up going Ivy League. Um, but our parents, I can't imagine the total miles that they logged that summer. Um, after our the summer between our junior and, and senior year, uh, we went to ten plus camps all over the country, as far as eight hours, eight to ten hours away. And as far as SIU is concerned, I don't think I grab Coach Kill and Coach Matukowicz and Coach Lime Grover's attention if I don't come to their one day camp. Uh, I came here and I, I tested really well, but I, I tell people, I really think I, I earned a partial scholarship and an opportunity to play division one football on defense in a, in an, in an offensive drill. Um, it was, it was a simple drill. And I remember having the mindset right before, you know, set hut of like, Hey, you're here, you're here to compete and to, to win the objective at hand is just to show out and to to win an opportunity to play division one football doesn't matter if you're act, acting as a running back in this linebacker drill or you're the linebacker i was a running back and um I, I just did a really good job i finished the drill the right way and and i think that that really caught the attention of coach took who then held me after for extra drills and uh, and then that really developed that that relationship. Send me letters, asking for film. Um, Coach Kill came and visited me at Mattoon High School, and then offered me the the scholarship uh, that day. So then came on my official visit as well later on. So you run somebody over in that drill or what? No, it was, it was a non padded camp. Um, it was a pursuit drill. So as a linebacker, you got to take a good inside out angle. I was the running back, and there was a cone. Um, down the line, probably, you know, on the numbers of the field. And I got to the cone and I, and I made a really aggressive cut back towards the middle of the field. And I made two linebackers miss by four yards um, just because I sprinted, you know, I, really, I sprinted as hard as I could, uh, made a sharp cut and then got back to the middle of the field and um, made them miss 
so badly, I guess it caught the attention of Coach too. So whoever you made miss, you cost them a scholarship. Then <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, you said Coach Kill came to visit you in high school. Um, what do you remember about those early interactions with Coach? Well, he came to visit me. I think after after my official visit here. So getting to getting to meet him here and and see just the the respect that other people had for him, his staff and. Uh, getting to talk with him a little bit, you know, he sat down and talked with my mom. I think that's the thing that I, I, that instantly stands out, um, stands out initially with coach kill was how much uh, just genuine respect and appreciation and almost um, compassion he had for my mom, knowing what she was going through and going through the recruiting process by herself and having heard that, you know, literally just four, five years earlier that her husband had passed away suddenly like that. And, um, yeah, so that, that was my first interaction. And then one of the things that they, they really just talked about a lot during the process was my passion for the game. And they would say, we, we see it show up on film, you know, in your, in your celebration with teammates and you, you love the game. And, uh, and that meant a lot to them and, and was one of the reasons that they continued to recruit me. I mean, were you a guy that was uh, kind of telling yourself, you know, I, I want to get to the FBS level. Um, you know, I'd, I'd prefer FBS schools to recruit me. And then you just so happened to play at Southern and FCS school or were you just happy to play anywhere? I'm, I'm going to drink this and then answer. Is that okay? Yeah. Because yeah. <clears throat> it was all about fit. For me, um, I don't say this boastfully or uh, hopefully it doesn't come off as overconfident. I, I did have the confidence that I could play at the FBS level. I also knew that it might be a, a tougher journey there or it might come without a scholarship going that route. I had had coaches that, you know, our, our team went to Northern Illinois camp every year. And I'd had coaches basically – give me that feedback. Hey, you can play at this level. Uh, you may have to walk on. And so I think throughout the process, you get exposed and you start to see the talent that's out there. And uh, I, at some point, I, I made the decision of, hey, let's not just chase the idea of being at a, a, a a big school, you know, back then it was really just FBS, but being at a big, you know, big 10 school or being at a, a, a major Mac school, um, you know, let's not just chase that idea just to chase it because what, what really matters to me and some of the things that, that came up were, were playing. And I knew that maybe not starting right away, but I wanted to play. I wanted to go to a program that was successful and, um, I wanted to go to a, a, an institution in a region that I felt like would be a really good fit for me, even if football was taken away. Um, I wanted to be regionally so my mom could come watch. That's something that was really important to her. Um, so there's a lot of factors that went into play. I didn't come here on a full scholarship. I had more scholarship at other places that I could have went Division two. Um, but I, but I came to SIU because of the fit, um, the, the winning tradition, uh, the, the, just the feel when I came on my recruiting visit. And, and that was, 
that was a, a big part of why I decided to go FCS level and, and uh, it worked out. Yeah. You walked into a pretty good situation in, in 2007. Uh, you redshirted, but you get to witness a final four run and practice on a team that goes to the national semifinals. Uh, you've, you've told me the story before about that Delaware game at McAndrew stadium, uh, packs national TV, you know, it's Joe Flacco in for Delaware chance at the national title game from, from your vantage point. What was that game like? I remember walking across campus that week and I, and I've told uh, current Saluki football players this imagine playing so long into the playoffs that you're having to ask professors about missing finals. We, we were, we were going to miss finals the next week to go to Tennessee to play in the national championship. And I remember just thinking about that. Like, like we're, I'm one, I'm one game away. And uh, obviously the game was, was a, a classic. It's been on ESPN classic. Uh, what's it, what was even more special is some of those guys that, that came in in, the, in our 07 class uh, were out there and they were contributing. And I think that was really special as well. So um, from my vantage point, we wanted to win. I was mad that we didn't win. <laughs> was it hard to watch and not be able to play in that game? I don't think so. I think or I think uh, when I read when when I was told I redshirted and the reasons why I was going to redshirt, I accepted that. And that's another thing that that I learned early on is you have to seek your role within the program. And uh, so that year, my freshman year, obviously, I did as as much as I could to just be really great scout team player. And uh, the really neat thing is late in the season, and I think Coach Hill has done this here. Uh, late in the season, Coach Kill rewarded uh, myself and Bobby Brenheisen by taking us on the, the, the trip out to Hampton, Virginia, uh, which was really cool um, because they had kind of identified us as two scouts that had worked really hard all year long. I think that 2007 season, looking back on it now, it's kind of cool uh, just based on like the last two years in Saluki Athletics because you're back. Coach Hill has obviously been back as the head coach. And then Coach Kill came back and was the athletic director. You're a redshirt – you're a true freshman in 2007. You're in a locker room where I'm assuming it's Coach Hill's locker room. He's the man. He's the senior quarterback. What did you learn as a leader from him when you were a rookie? I think Coach Hill and I have talked about it. I didn't – I wasn't around him as much because I was with the front seven, and we did a lot. Like the front seven offensive line and, and the backs would do a lot with us, our, our scout and D-line and linebackers. Um, so I wasn't in a lot of skelly. But one of the things I just remember uh, specific to Coach Hill and I was um, after the, the Delaware loss, I had to run back into the locker room and I think he was probably the last one in there. And, uh, rightfully so, you know, he's disappointed and he just kind of looked up and said, Hey, just don't take it for granted. Um, you know, every, every day matters, everything matters, everything you do matters. And you guys got to take it from here and keep building. And, um, 
So that was that. If if there was a moment between the the senior superstar and the scout team, mind mind my own business. Don't ever talk to anybody if unless asked to. Uh, that would have been the moment. I'm kind of envisioning you going. Are you talking to me? <laughs> I felt that way a little bit. <laughs> well, there were some good things to come your freshman and sophomore year. Lots of winning in those two years. I know you're itching to tell this story. Your first play in a college football game, what was it? Well, there's a lot of buildup there, too. Uh, being being a, a freshman that had to redshirt around the program and getting to see football played at a high level. Um, yeah, we, we played Hampton at home. Uh, it was hogs and dogs. So they've, they've got hundreds of motorcycles revving their engines out at the old McAndrews stadium and I'm on kickoff and I'm right, right over the ball. So I'm right in the middle of the field. And, um, I just remember, you know, that they, they ask them to rev up the engines and they blow that whistle. And I, I felt like I was floating. I was like, this is, I remember before before the the, the kick like this is college this is what college football is right here and um, you know McAndrew probably had you know his opening game so probably fifteen sixteen thousand people there and uh, run down the field full speed and uh, get blocked in the back and face mask drives into the turf turf all up in my face and. Uh, really, that was about it. So it, it didn't it didn't make a didn't make a tackle on the first run down and kickoff, but uh, just a special memory of that first time out and uh, the energy that you can feel uh, playing college football. So do you go from thinking, "Man, this is cool. I'm floating," to "Man, this is going to stink. <laughs> I'm going to have my head in the turf a lot." Well, I probably went uh, from this is awesome to yelling at the officials. Hey, did you see that? Uh, he pushed both hands into my back. That's why I fell face forward. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, freshman year, you guys go to the playoffs and then 2009, you guys have a, a really, really good team. Your sophomore year, number one in the country, uh, at one point finished 11 and two. Um, how much noise did you guys hear? Uh, with national expectations and how hard was it to stay focused through some of that? Yeah, I can't remember exactly, you know, after we beat Northern Iowa at their place, um, first time in 20 years or something like that, that was when I think we took over the number one ranking and the expectations, uh, rose. And, um, but I, I think the, the really special thing about 2008 and nine really is it, it never mattered. I mean, it never mattered um, how much we were down, uh, how much time was left. There was just this confidence. There was an unwavering confidence that we had the guys to go make the plays. And, and, uh, and especially in 2008, uh, there was, there was, at least three, four or five games there where it was under four or five minutes to play and and we had to come up with a play. And, you know, I can remember uh, Coach Rogers made a big play against Northern Iowa uh, late in the game. But as far as uh, 2009, yeah, we, we were ready to roll once we got into the playoffs and um, 
just just a, a high level of uh, the the players that we had at that time, the guys that we had, uh, the coaches that we had. Uh, there was just there was definitely a togetherness, a confidence, and uh, yeah, it was just it was it was a fun time to to be a part of of, of this program, Saluki football. Did you know that Southern Illinois University? awards students $10 million annually in scholarships, has test-optional admission, and in-state tuition for all U.S. residents. SIU offers hands-on, career-focused learning in every major, which are supported by internships and community service and the potential for study abroad and more. Southern Illinois has faculty who bring real-world experience to the classroom and the classroom into the real world. See what SIU can do for you at the next open house. Registration and info at siu.edu slash open house. Exploring options. That's a Saluki. Made it to the quarterfinals, then a loss to William and Mary in the quarterfinals. Um, do you think about that one? Do you think you guys should have won that game still? Uh, I still think about both playoff losses in eight and nine <laughs> and really seven, but when I was on the field, you know, that's, those are the ones that you remember. Um, because of my role at that time within the program, now I got to play 10 to 15 snaps at backer, uh, which was awesome. I, I was in a, in a linebacker room with probably the, the smartest, um, the smartest linebacker that I've ever kind of been around. And then the most instinctive linebacker. And they both played my position. And I still got to play, which I still don't know how, both in as a as a red freshman and sophomore. And that was Ryan Patton and and uh, Brandon um, Brandon Jordan. Uh, those two guys. I mean, Brandon was the most instinctive player, and then Ryan Ryan probably knew the plays they were calling before they even ran the line of scrimmage. But uh, yeah. Um, I, I I still remember William and Mary faked a punt on us, you know. I took a lot of pride in special teams because that was my role. Um, they faked a punt on us on like fourth and medium. So yeah, still remember some of that stuff. Um, but they, they, I, I will say William and Mary in the 09, they were a good team. I, I, I don't think we didn't make a ton of mistakes. Uh, I, I would, I think that our teammates would, would agree that there were some, some guys that they had on their teams and some things that they did, they executed at a higher level than we did that day. And, um, and then they went on and got beat by Villanova. Uh, but yeah, it was a, it was a fun time. Junior and senior year, 2010, 2011, a little bit of a drop off, uh, you know, not playoff teams as an upperclassman. Why do you think things, got a little hard as far as the the wins and losses those final two years Mike McElroy and I we talked about this a lot uh, when things are going really well if you don't identify uh, why they're going well then you can just as easily miss things when they start going wrong and we couldn't put a finger on it I, I don't I don't know that we could in 2010, I feel like we weren't experiencing the same success we were, and we were looking around at each other like, what's going on? 
And um, it was frustrating because you, you felt like you didn't have an answer and you could keep uh, working harder and pressing in harder. But it, it didn't change the, the actual result. And that's, that's the beautiful thing about sports. That's a beautiful thing about competing is, uh, you know, hard work matters and, and uh, putting in the work matters. But sometimes you, you still end up on the, the wrong side of it. Once you get done playing, I know you just were part of a documentary that covered this topic with Greg Camelone, uh, who worked in video the last two years for Saluki Athletics, uh, the student athlete identity. You, you get done playing, you've had this identity for some people their whole life as an athlete, and then all of a sudden you play that last game and you're not an athlete anymore. I mean, how do you come to, to terms with not having that label and not having that lifestyle anymore once you, once you get done? Well, first of all, I, I mean, my heart still hurts so much for the spring sport athletes of 2020 um, because it, it, it's a big deal and uh, it's so much of your life. <laughs> it's so much of your headspace and for those for those student athletes i i just i i will never forget that and i think that all of any any coach should always try to remember that uh to, to communicate to the rest of their team kind of what transpired for them because there there was a even if they even if they were doing a good job thinking like okay this is coming it, it was slammed in their face and uh, without notice, just like an injury would be, but it was still different because there was the unknown, the season of the unknown of, are we going to get the season? Are we going to get to compete? Are we not? So I know you asked me the question about my career, but it just made me think uh, yeah, I, could, I could not, I, could, I truly could not imagine going through what the spring sport athletes went through. Uh, this year for me um my body was at a place where I, I was I was ready um I had come to peace with it a little bit um you know I, I would have loved to have made a run at the playoffs uh I remember after we got beat at Northern Iowa in 2011 that was when I knew that you got x amount of more games because we were mathematically eliminated and I absolutely broke down on the plane and uh, it kind of hit me then there's a combination of frustration immediately after the game and then reflection and um, uh, emotions on the plane and um, I think that would have been my main moment shared 30,000 feet above um, after that it was all right like how do you want to go out? How do you want to end this thing? And, um, you know, Mike McElroy, Scotty Cole, Brian Bomer, and so many other seniors is like, all right, we, we can choose how we want to, how we want to finish this thing out. And, um, and we did, we won the last two games. And, um, for me personally, as far as athletic identity, my identity at that time, was shifting more towards, I, I think having, having a faith foundation really helped me at that time. Uh, other guys, 
I, I think I've seen, I had seen struggle maybe in classes above me too, where they, they were in this in between of, I want to play uh, more at the next level, uh, get caught, you know, I'm playing in middle of nowhere, Iowa and arena league. And I love it because that's what it takes sometimes to, to play at that level. But I just decided for me, that was not, not the route I was going to go. I was happy with the time that I'd had. And, um, yeah. I mean, you, the reason I think this is especially relevant to you is because you did so many things after you played football. Um, you, you, you dabbled in, in a lot of different things. Um, what was that search like in finding that new purpose, you know, outside of getting bigger, faster, stronger and winning football games? Yeah, you bring up a good point. I was, I think I, I did an excellent job of, of uh, dis, dis, disbanding myself from the game. Uh, I didn't uh, necessarily have clarity on what wagon I was going to hitch myself to next. And, and that, that has been a process. And I think I've heard somebody say, you know, we're all a work in progress. And uh, from a professional standpoint, uh, that next chapter was very unclear for me. And so I've, uh, you could call it a, a blessing. I've had the blessing uh, of getting to, to try new things out and, and find what I like and what I don't like in, in a profession. And yeah, it's been a, it's been it's been a fun ride since since that time. But I immediately started out, um, kind of finished my my graduate degree because I'd started that in my fifth year of football. Finished that in the academic office at SIU as a graduate assistant, um, as an academic advisor there, working with an awesome staff and supporting football, which that was a unique thing. I went from captain to now being an academic advisor for that same team and, and work with baseball as well. And then uh, we got a full-time job working for a nonprofit American Cancer Society uh, within 12 months and didn't really realize how fortunate I was at that time to have that, that position too. You, you come back full circle and, um, you know, you, you worked as a graduate assistant and now you're, you're back in the academic world. Uh, especially or specifically as it pertains to being a student athlete, not just in general, but at SIU now working with SIU athletes, how do you think that specific experience translates to help you do your job better now? The experience of uh, learning through those, those professional endeavors or it just, um, you know, you, you went to school, you played at SIU and you're going through a lot of the same things that, the athletes you're now leading and helping are going through. I mean, is there, is there a level of empathy that you can have to some of their struggles now? Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. The, the word that comes to mind is intentionality. Uh, and as, as student athletes, you can't get much more intentional. Everything. Uh, I mean, everything that's scheduled is scheduled with intention. You've got, you know, obviously your weight training, you've got your practice, you've got your, some of it's dining hall, some of them, everything, you know, your film study, 
your, your additional film study, your practice study, you know, uh, like I said, everything's scheduled with, with intentionality as it pertains to your sport. So I really empathize with the side that I didn't focus on. So, so much focus and emphasis was put on and vision. I talked to current student athletes about this a lot. I had a really clear vision of where I wanted to go when I was, when I was a freshman in 2007 and we were playing in the semifinals and, and, and coach kill did build this belief into me. Hey, you're going to be a leader for our program someday. I had a vision of, I want to be a captain for this program. I want to be a leader. I want to be an all conference caliber player someday. I didn't had zero vision or zero thought about how's my major going to apply to the next, however long I live. <laughs> and um, so I really empathize with that. And, and the more intentionality with programs, uh, just even discussions, exposure to alumni, um, the more we can have of that, the more hopefully it uh, inspires vision and intentionality within existing current Saluki student athletes. How different is leading uh, a football team compared to leading athletes academically now? Like, are the skills are the skills similar? Are they exactly the same? Or are they vastly different? There's there's similar. There's a lot of similarities. I think having had the experience of trying to lead a team, uh, a, a college team, um, helps me understand um, the, the headspace of an existing student athlete and how I can support them academically. Um, but at the end of the day, Connor, it really is, it's about relationships and trust and accountability and um, I, I tell the student athletes that I specifically work with on an academic basis, uh, if we have a relationship, I, I tell them that like, part of my promise to you and your parents, whether I did or did not get to meet them on a recruiting visit, uh, is that I want you to be a better version of yourself. And I want you to grow as and mature as an individual, as a human being while you're here. And part of that is sometimes um, holding you accountable or uh, asking you difficult questions um, or expecting a little bit more of you than maybe I think that you're, you're giving uh, with that particular scenario. Um, so in that regard, I think having the experience of, of being a college student athlete has helped. You're a deep thinker. I always enjoy uh, hearing you speak. And uh, also some impressive stamina. I think uh, you're one of our, our longer conversations we've had on the podcast. So, oh, wow. I, I, mean, I don't mean to cut you off. I think we could keep going, but uh, <laughs> I, I feel like our time is coming. Yeah, well, I, uh, I appreciate it. I, I guess I'll talk too much. Um, no. 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 no I, I, um, it's a special place, Connor. I've been here for – uh, since 2007, as you said, so been here 13 years. And, um, I, I tell people that I'm a product of something. If nothing more, you met your wife at Southern, right? So I'm a pretty lucky guy, man. Pretty lucky, lucky guy. in, in that regard, uh, that's, that is, we went this whole time. That is the number one best thing that has come out of my time at SIU is my, my partner and my number one teammate now. Uh, my wife, Megan James.